0: Our next reading of scripture is going to come from the book of Joshua. As we continue in Joshua, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 7. We're reading Joshua 7, 1 through 5. And then chapter 8, 30 through 35. But the Israelites broke faith in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Camari, son of Zabarak, son of Zerai, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the Israelites. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethhaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. Then they returned to Joshua and said, Not all the people need to go up. About two or three thousand men should go up and attack Ai. Since they are so few, do not, do not make the whole people toil up there. So about three thousand of the people went up there, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed about thirty-six of them, chasing them from outside the gate as far as Shebaiah, and killing them on the slope. The hearts of the people melted and turned to water. Then continuing to chapter 8. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebel an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites... As it was written in the book of the Law of Moses, an altar of un- unhewn stones on which no iron tool has been used. They offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrifice offerings of well being. And there, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the Law of Moses, which he had written. And all of Israel, alien as well as citizen, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on the opposite sides of the ark in front of the Levitical priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, half of them on the front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterwards he read the words of the law, blessings and curses, according to all that is written in the book of the law. And there was not a word of all that Moses commanded Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel, and the women, and the little ones, and the aliens who resided among them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, in life, it's always good to have a backup plan, to have a contingency, to have something to fall back on. Uh, This year, and in this this past season, I've decided that if the whole preaching thing doesn't work out, I'm going to start frying French fries. Um, because the band boosters at Germantown, we, we fry French fries. Well, we do the concession stand. And so Holly typically works in the concession stand, work, counting the money. They don't trust me with the money, they give the money to her. Uh, and I'm usually at, at the, at the, either at the grill or at the fryer frying French fries. And I, I, I believe that I had to have fed half of y'all Friday night. Because I started cooking French fries at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was still cooking French fries at 9 o'clock that night. I'll go up to the concession stand as the, as the game is ending between Germantown and Madison Central. I'm still at the fire machine cooking french fries. I'll go up to the concession stand and say, send them to Wendy's. Wendy's has french fries. Sonic has tater tots. Stop selling french fries. I'm tired of it. If I never see another french fry again for the rest of my life, I will be perfectly happy and content. That way, but that said, the more french fries y'all buy, the less fundraisers the band booster have to do, so buy more french fries. (laughs) The one thing I'm not going to do, though, is I learned early in my life, the one thing I cannot fall back on is to be a life of a criminal mastermind. I'm not not smart enough uh, to be a criminal mastermind. Every time in my life, I try to get away with something, I typically get caught. I learned this as a as a young age, as a young child, um, with, my, with my nefarious planning. Um, you know, some people speak in unknown tongues. I'll write in unknown tongues. I have the handwriting of a doctor, just not the intelligence. And so my previous church used to play, the staff would play a game called Guess What Andy Wrote when I'd write something down because they didn't know what I wrote down. Half the time, I couldn't read it. So it's going to shock you. In third grade, uh, we had to take a class at Boca Chitta called handwriting, where you had to take, we do handwriting. It's going to shock you. I did not do very well in that class. I, I, I did not do well in handwriting at all. And one time, we took a test, and I made a 50 on it. And so what you had to do back in the olden days at Boca Chitta was you had to take that failed test to your mom or daddy and get them to sign it and turn it in. Well, I knew how that was going to end for me in my backside if I took a 50 home to get signed. So once again, being the criminal mastermind that I am, I, just, I had a, came with a brilliant plan, foolproof plan. I was going to take my failing grade, fold it up like Holly did in the children's moment, and slide it underneath my pillow. Because who would ever think to, to look under the pillow, understanding that my mom made the bed every morning and washed the sheets once a week? She'll never find it, right? So when I got home from school that day, she said, Andy, is there something you need to tell me? Once again, being the great criminal mastermind that I am, I said, no, mom, there's nothing I need to tell you. And then she pulled it out. And then once again, I got a whooping for My great handwriting, and then even worse, whooping for uh, lying to my mama. So, once again, I learned at a young age, as Holly was telling the kids this morning, the consequences of your actions, and sometimes your life has bends in them based off choices that you make. So, the whole criminal mastermind thing was not a thing that I needed to lean into. The reality is, though, in our life we've all made mistakes. There's a great exercise, if you're familiar with the 12-step programs. The 12-step programs encourage folks in an AA and other groups like that to do what's called a moral inventory. Where in a moral inventory, you take time and you look at your life. And you see where in your life it may be deficient. Where have you made mistakes? Where have you fallen? And I think that's a good practice for us all to do, is to take a moral inventory and look at our lives you know i have I, spent some time recently doing a moral inventory of my life in the last few covid years and you know i know i've i've made a bunch of mistakes i've made the wrong columns and stuff i've messed up on stuff i've made mistakes i have i've even been tim would you say even occasionally, i've been grumpy sometimes these last few years just a, just a smidge just a little bit grumpy Holly, a little bit a little bit of grumpiness and sometimes a smidge yeah I look back and think, gosh, there's things I could have done better. There's things I shouldn't have said, things I shouldn't have done, mistakes that I've made. You know, that's healthy for us. It's healthy for us to do that. It's healthy for us to look at our life and understand the areas where we have messed up. Because, y'all, we've all messed up. Every every one of us has messed up. We are imperfect people. We have all made mistakes. And part of the the things we've got to realize as we think about our mistakes is the fact that we have to understand that admitting our mistakes, admitting our failures, doesn't mean we're terrible people. It It means that we're human. It means that we're fallen. It means that we are the children of Adam and Eve. Everyone makes mistakes. And so what happens when we look at our lives and we see our mistakes, there's typically one of two ways we can go with our mistakes that we make. First is this. It's a form of defensiveness. Well, you're just, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. You're just being overly sensitive. Oh, I didn't really do that. Oh, it's not as bad as you think. I didn't really do anything bad. I didn't really mess up. It's this form of defensiveness, this form of defensiveness that says, oh, no, I'm not the one that's wrong. You're the one that's wrong. Yeah, maybe I've sinned, but I'm better than those people over there. Yeah, maybe I'm imperfect, but Lord knows I'm better than that. And if we're not careful, we'll become those Pharisees that say, Lord, thank you that you did not make me a tax collector. While the tax collector beats his breast and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. What do we do when we're defensive about our mistakes, defensive about our sin? We start building walls. That's what sin does. That's what mistakes do. That's what failures do. That's what these things do is they build walls. So let's go back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. When they sinned, when they ate from the tree that God told them not to, what was the first thing they did? When God was walking the cool of the evening and he looked for them, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. They hid from the presence of God because they knew that they'd made a mistake defensiveness about our sin, defensiveness about our mistakes, defensiveness about these things, it builds walls between those and those we love. It builds walls between us and God, between us and our spouse, us and our children, us and our friends, us and our relationships. That's what that defensiveness does, is it builds those walls of separation. And there's nothing that the devil wants to do more than to separate us from what matters the most. You don't think the devil would love to separate you from God? You don't think the devil would love to separate you from your church? You think the devil would love to separate you from your friends? Of course he would. There's nothing he'd rather do than that. Those walls of defensiveness build walls. I tell couples in premarital counseling, sometimes you've got to love your spouse more than you love being right. Because sometimes you're Right? And they're wrong. You can hold on to it and live in your rightness with your all separating you. You can, let go, you can let go and move forward. So sometimes we look at our mistakes, our failures, our sins, the things we've got wrong. We can go defensive and say, oh, it's not really that bad. You're just being overly sensitive or oh, I'm better than somebody else. The other mistake is just as bad. One mistake is is an is an act of pride where you think you've got it all figured out and you're really not really that bad. The other is also kind of a sense of pride, where you say this when you messed up. Oh, I can't be forgiven. Oh, I've done too much. Oh, I've made too many mistakes. Oh, that sin is not forgivable. Oh, I've fallen too far, oh me. And once again, what happens in that form when you're saying you can't be forgiven, when you're saying you've done too much, when you say that your sin's too great, there's a great line by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says, when God has forgiven us and we cannot forgive ourselves, we have made ourselves a higher moral judge than God. If God has forgiven you, you can forgive yourself. But here's the thing, to forgive yourself, to move on from the past, you... If we think we can't be forgiven, you know what we're doing? We're looking more at our sin than we're looking at the cross. To let go of the past, to let go of our mistakes, we've got to take our eyes off the sin that we've committed and place our eyes upon the cross which forgave our sins. If we only focus on our sin, if we only focus on our past, if we only focus on what we've done, and we ignore the cross of Christ upon which Christ died to forgive us, then we'll never move forward. Yes, our sin is great, but our God's grace is greater. There's nothing greater than the grace of God. There's nothing greater than the love of God. There's nothing more powerful than the grace of God. No matter what you've ever done, your sin is not greater than the grace of Jesus Christ. It is not stronger than the cross. It is not more powerful than the resurrection. Sometimes we need to let go of the past. We've got to take our eyes off of the mistakes of the past and focus our eyes upon the cross of Christ, which has forgiven those mistakes. So the mistakes, one form is defensiveness, which builds walls. One form is the, the Eeyore. Woe is me. Eeyore is my spirit animal sometimes. I love me some Eeyore. Woe is me. It's so bad. No, the grace of Christ is greater than even Eeyore. Because here's the thing we see in this text today, y'all. We look at this text. The Israelites blew it, y'all. Remember Jericho? Remember what Rahab said to to the spies? Our hearts melt with wax. We hear what you've done, man. Israel, they were a buzzsaw. Uh, Growing up in the South Mississippi, he was always a football team. That's so good that you're intimidated. That was South Pike where I grew up. Man, when you played South Pike growing up, South Pike had you down 14 0 before the game started. They were so good. That was Israel. They were up 14 0 before the game started. They were just running through folks. And then God said, Guys, don't do this. Do not take the devoted things that are for me. And what happened? They did it. And then what happened? They got whooped by Boguchetta. They went to Ai. Small little town. So, so small. They got cocky. Like, oh, we got this. We're going to send the B team. We don't, we're not even going to play the starters. We're sending the B team to I. They're so bad, we're going to wipe them off the field without even putting up effort. They send their B team to I. And what happens? They got beat. Why? Because they'd made a mistake. They made a mistake. They had fallen. They had broken God's command. God said specifically, do not do this. And they did it, they failed because of it. So we go to chapter, chapter eight, where they renew the covenant. They'd asked for forgiveness, and God had forgiven them, and God had restored them. But before they could move forward to complete the conquest, they had to let go of the past. They had to let go of the past. They had to let go of the mistakes and the faults and the sins, the stuff they'd gotten wrong, and the ways they'd failed. For them to move forward to complete the mission God had for them, they had to move past the past and let it go and move forward into the new thing God was calling them to, y'all. You know? God has great things for our church. He has great things for each of us, amazing things. And, yeah, these last few years have been challenging and hard, but, y'all, God's got something huge for us that we're on the verge of. And things may be different now, and things, things are going to keep picking up and going. We're, we're, the past has no binding upon our future the only thing that has a binding upon our future is the grace and the power of God. And sometimes we got to let go of this stuff, y'all. The mistakes we've made, the stuff we've got wrong, the failures, the inadequacies, all that stuff that's behind and move forward. What does the Bible say? Forgetting what is past, forgetting what's behind. I press forward to the goal in Christ Jesus. God has amazing things for us, things for our families, our individuals, our lives, our church, but we've got to sometimes say, but we've gotten it wrong. We've made mistakes. We've fallen. But God's grace is greater. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of my sin. Israel messed up. They confessed. They moved forward to what God was calling them to. By God's grace, may we do the same. May we let go of the mistakes of the past, the things we messed up on, the inadequacies, the faults, the failures, and understand that God's grace is greater than all of that. Brendan Manning has a great quote in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, where he said this. He said, very few of us think we're actually sinful, so very few of us actually believe we're forgiven. We live lives of pseudo-guilt and pseudo-bliss, never understanding the true forgiveness of God. Yeah, guys, I love you all. I love every one of you all in this room, all you on TV, on the Internet as well. I do. You've blown it at times. You've messed up. But so have I. Ask Holly or Tim. They can tell you. I know that. But I understand that God's grace is greater than any failure, sin, or inadequacy I've ever had. And my greatest desire is to let go of the past and those things. And move forward to the great faithful future God has for me and God has for us. May we move forward together, letting go of the past, and move forward into God's amazing grace. Let's pray.